Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. Are you okay with COVID kisses? Uh, no, uh, stay safe out there, folks. Uh, mask up or use whatever uh, protection or whatever walls might uh, between you two that might help. Plexi. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm not okay with the idea yeah. of it. Well, but one of the things that I had a friend of mine, he tested positive, and he's not sure if it was a false positive or not because, you know, he shares his bed with his wife every single night. And uh, she didn't get it. She wasn't sick at all. She had no positives, got tested and all those things. So, I mean, if it's possible that you could be sharing your bed with your partner and, and not pass it on, I would guess that a little bit of smooch and probably you would think would transmit. I mean, that that's that's better than speaking moistly, if you will, when it comes for transmission yeah. environment, right? Yeah, um, I was going to say that. I was going to say um, with, uh, with cold kisses, um, if... You know, if if two of you, if both of you already have COVID, I mean, what's the chance of <laughs> you yeah, sort right. of getting COVID again? So, I mean, if you both have it, you know, you you know want to kiss, I don't mind that. Yeah, if you both have it, right? In the, in the yeah. privacy of your own thing, you work your thing. Exactly. All right, fair enough. I agree. I agree with that. But I mean, if if it's uh, you know one of those things, I think you probably should declare uh, before you start kissing people. By the way, you know, in dating, you used to ask questions um, with a new partner that had nothing to do with, um, are you, you know, mouth COVID positive? But it's a thing today. Controversy in baseball as the uh, with the World Series and L.A. Dodgers player Justin Turner uh, came out in the field when they won. Now, the reason why it's a problem was because he had just tested COVID positive. And of course, he wanted to be there for the presentation of the trophy. Here's the clip. He wanted to come out and take a picture with the trophy, which, you know, can't state strongly enough how big of a role he's played in this the success of this organization. But, you know, I think for him, just being a free agent, not knowing exactly how the future is going to play out, I don't think there was anyone that was going to stop him from going out. It was obviously a really unfortunate, you know, kind of, in point of this incredible series. So the story is they win. He goes out. He was wearing a mask. He gets his picture with a trophy. He hugs a couple of his teammates. And then it looks like, I'm assuming she wasn't a stranger. She looked like she knew him. Uh, his wife or his partner was there. And, uh, you know, so they had a big celebratory kiss. Now, I guess, I mean, she's an adult. She can do whatever she wants to do. She has that choice. But it was strongly recommended that he didn't come out because of the COVID and he just had a normal mask on, not anything that was a seal of the mouth. So now do you think that it's okay if that's the angle that the storyline goes that this guy did this? I mean, yeah, it kind of works against everything I mean, that everyone's been saying. Yeah. I mean, we, we touched on, uh, on this a bit yesterday during, in case you missed it. Um, but I, but I guess like with that, um, with when you win a championship, you're uber emotional and uh, just like, you know, but it, but for me personally, I don't think it's an excuse to endanger everyone else around you uh, just to go celebrate 
um, winning, you know, a championship, even though emotions are high. Um, and yes, uh, she did, uh, she did, well, she did kiss him. Um, you know, she can make that decision on her own. But, um, I'm more concerned about, you know, everyone around them because even if she does get COVID, if they're living together, you know, they're living together, they both have COVID. But all the other people that was around there, and that was like, a baseball team is big. Like, there's lots of people on a baseball team. Um, they potentially could now have, would have been exposed to COVID just because this guy decided to run out on the field and celebrate with his team, which, you but know, sucks me, too on his end. But yeah. Well, let me, let me throw this at you then, because here in Canada, if you've been around anybody who's been ex COVID positive, you're supposed to treat yourself a little bit differently and shut her down, right? Um, so there, wasn't he pulled from the previous game? Like he his positive test came back during the game, didn't it? Yeah, he was pulled during this uh, the game uh, yesterday when they won. He was pulled in the middle of that game. Um, See, but that, that's interesting to me because what happens there is that everyone on the team has already been around him for the whole game anyway, right? Like everybody has been around him, the whole team's been around him, and if you applied those rules the way we do it in Canada, the whole team wouldn't need to shut her down or anybody that he was exposed to or around. So, you know, I'm not quite sure if the impact it really matters at that point if he's already been around them tested negative then tested positive and uh and uh, can't go that uh you know can't go that route you know what i mean like the damage is already yeah. done once in a chance at once in a lifetime thing i think optically it's brutal but really when you put a little bit of logic at it it's probably one of those things that um that i, I the damage is probably already done if there was going to be damage to be done so i don't know 877-399-9898 let's uh continue with are you okay are you okay with creepy Rudy Giuliani? <laughs> Not when he's being creepy. Have you seen yeah. uh, no. the Borat movie film? Uh, not not yet, no. I haven't even actually seen the original Borat movie film. Uh, it's just something that I've just, uh, it's just sailed over my head in the cultural pop culture world. Well, you're really not missing much. Very nice. Exactly. <laughs> That's very good. Um, the Borat movie film and the Borat subsequent movie film. The subsequent movie film is, um, it's all right. When they, when they go to film it, there's too many people would recognize him because the first one he was able to do sort of those, those um, surprise pieces. Nobody would know that who he was, Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen. But the, um, in the new one, he had to go undercover and be in costumes most of the time in America because everybody would recognize him. And they did some shots where he was walking down the street getting ready for one of the skits and, and everybody was recognized him asking for autographs and he couldn't go to the place he needed to go to. So it, it is a funny show if you like Borat. There are a couple of moments which are, are funny. Overall, I would say the movie is a meh. Politically, it's not even a drop in the bucket of going to have an impact of all the things that, that's going on down in the States. But it is incredibly political it does expose the current state of many, many, many things. Like he goes to stay, he goes to a, a Republican rally and needs help because of COVID for a place to stay and somehow swindles his way into staying with this one, this one guy and his boyfriend, um, these incredibly um, uh, conservative gay couple, and uh, then goes to an, an event where he manages to get the crowd chanting um, treat them like the Saudis do because of uh, he says they should chop them up like a uh, Khashoggi. And he's got the crowd. Um, he's got the crowd chanting this 
And this is sort of the undercover film stuff that they do in this movie. Well, there's one scene where, I mean, he goes into a Mike Pence rally and gets thrown out. Um, there's one scene in the film, though, that is really, really, I think, um, really concerning. Now, Giuliani's campus says it's a complete fabrication, and um, and uh, he was just tucking in his shirt. But let's get the clip and um, and hear about the, the Borat creepy Rudy moment. I'm so sorry. That's Relax, horrible. Sit, 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 sit. Okay. I'm so sorry for that. Really, apologize. Apology accepted. No problem. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Uh, thank you again for giving me this time. Shall we have a drink in the bedroom? What happened? There you go, my dear. Okay. Let's get You can give me your phone number and your address. Should we slip your jacket? Okay. Oh. Put down your crumb. She's 15. She's too old for you. What, what, why are you trying to She's my daughter. Please, take me instead. Take my anus. No, no, take my anus. Do not have her. I'm better than him. No, I better. My back pussy very tight. No, please. My front oh, anus. I will let you enjoy my crumb in your Let's bring it up. I so Borat, um, the storyline is is that um, uh, Tuka gets into with a, an interview with Borat, and or sorry, with um, Rudy Giuliani, and then convinces him to go to the bedroom. So now, what what was fake and what was great camera angles and, and everything else? You can decide for yourself, but you should watch it. But I got to tell you, that was uh, a remarkable moment of of TV. It's amazing to me how they can create a movie with people not knowing what's going on. Like they must have to sign some sort of waiver release. How is it possible that they can release a movie with Rudy Giuliani in it where he says he was just lying on the bed, tucking in a shirt. She says, uh, well, the, he, he invites them to the room, you know, to have a drink and he goes and that it's a complete fabrication. How does that even make a movie without a million lawsuits attached to it? Maybe there are a million lawsuits to it, lawsuits attached to it. Probably some yeah, legal some legal yeah. paperwork here and there. Well, there was the uh, there's another lady in the film who um, shares the to take care of her because when when she when Borat says that his 15 year old daughter, which is not she's not 15 by the way in real life she's 24, um, uh, the actress is 24, uh, needs breast implants because he's going to give her away to Mike Pence in the movie, and. Uh, they have this lady who takes care of her and tries to talk her out of it. Well, that lady has now come forward saying that she was uh, part of a, like a runaway documentary until she found out that she's a part of the movie and now she's in the movie, but she signed a waiver and got paid like 3,500 bucks or something. And like it was a low number and now she's in the movie. So I don't know. I don't know how they get away with this stuff, but the, whatever Rudy Giuliani got himself into, um, whether it's legit or not, I don't know. I'm not going to declare that it is or isn't because I only saw the movie, but it was not okay. <laughs> None of it was okay. Um, so inappropriate. Yeah, well, it was. And then he runs out and he says, he goes, no, 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 don't. That's my daughter. She's 15. She's too old for you. Um, 
you know, so it's it's anyway, watch the show at your own uh, risk. If you like that kind of humor, it is very shock driven. Um, but if you like the political play and the irony of what's going on, you might enjoy that one and Borat's subsequent movie film right there. OK, are you OK with Gilligan's Island? Oh, um, I've never actually I've never seen the show, but from what I've heard, they brought a lot of stuff for a three hour tour. They did. They brought like the they brought the radio. They only brought a broken radio and then they didn't have batteries, for example. (laughs) Um, Gilligan's Island was one of the best shows. It really was one of the best shows of all time. If you watch it now, it's incredibly corny, Um, but. I recommend if you should check it out, Maddie. You can find it somewhere. So there's a story about uh, uh, Bill Gross. He's accused of in court of playing Gilligan's Island theme song on loop to harass his neighbors in Laguna Beach, California. Uh, the feud dates back to last year when Gross and his partner, former pro tennis player Amy Schwartz, installed a $1 million lighted glass sculpture outside their home. The sculpture... Um, created rods and orbs of blown blue glass so it started a fight in the neighborhood how do you stop a fight in a neighborhood when you're a billionaire well you play loud music imagine this all day long on loop just sit right back and you'll hear a tale a tale of a fateful trip that started from this traffic port aboard this tiny ship was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. tour. Well done. Ooh, the bad weather. Okay, so nonstop on loop. I'm guessing there's, uh, you know, times at night where you can't play it, but through the course of the day when he can play it without the noise bylaws, that's what the guy's been doing. I got to tell you, it's probably a Richard move because... I mean, that's a wicked song to ruin, right? We've learned this lesson. If you're going to play a song on loop and ruin a song, there was a story that came out of, uh, I think it was Florida, a little over a year ago. And a little over a year ago, uh, the city, in order to move homeless people, started playing a song on loop uh, in the public square to get them to move. Do you happen to remember what that song was, Matt? Uh, was it this abomination? That's enough. Baby shark. That's enough. On loop. Baby shark. Mama shark. Do, 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 do. Mama. No, that's it. That's it. You're done. (laughs) That's it. Oh man. I was, we were all like, Jason and I were dancing. Um, it's too bad. So yeah. So is this Okay. To like uh, just completely drown out your neighbor with uh, just an audio assault. Yeah, an audio assault. I mean, first of all, it's not okay because they're ruining a perfectly good theme song. But I mean, if they did Baby Shark or something that was terrible, you know, is, is that it doesn't seem very neighborly to me. Well, I think no matter what the song is, whether it's something as awesome as the Gilligan's Island theme or something as hideous as Baby Shark, um, no matter what the song is, if you play it a million times in a row it's not going to be good it's not going to be good for anybody especially loud at your neighbor right that's not neighborly it's not nice but it's hilarious because it's not us
This is the Shift Daily Podcast. There's conversation with a guy that I was introduced to through a friend. My friend's name is Jackie Cooney, and Jackie is uh, big in fitness. She does Canada's Top Fitness Trainer. Uh, she, you know, believes in not fitness porn online, like you see. You know, here's a bunch of girls in yoga pants working out, and here's pictures of their butt kind of stuff. But real trainers with real educations uh, and how fitness matters, how fitness at all ages is incredibly important. And I learned that directly from Jackie. Jackie taught me that. And Jackie uh, did have um, some influence on my fitness over the last bunch of years. Uh, She's fantastic. So Jackie's done a few podcasts, put out a few things, and then she had this guy on named Taylor. And Taylor was a remarkable guest. I said to Jackie, I got to talk to this guy. He's so good. He can speak to not only fitness and the importance of fitness, but also small business and how small business in particular has adapted through COVID. So I just wanted to bring him on the show. And um, he's with Orca Performance. It's uh, O-R-K-A Performance based out of Calgary. uh, Through Friends in Common, of course. That's how we got introduced. And uh, I wanted to welcome to the show uh, here on The Shift, uh, Taylor Everenden, Orca Performance. Uh, Thanks for being on, man. What, What kind of, help us get started with, I guess, the basics of what does Orca Performance do? Yeah, so I guess the, the day-to-day really for, for our business is trying to create a service within the city of Calgary for, for athletes and, and like you said, across a, a broad spectrum of ages. And we have anywhere from what we call our junior ADP program, which is ages 10 to 12, and those are the athletes that are just starting out. And then it branches all the way through to our team training model, which is kind of that that youth athlete under the age of 18, from 12 to 18. And then We've obviously got our university groups and and some of our pro athletes as well. So it's a large spectrum of uh, of ages, and and it's mostly just kind of around that concept of strength conditioning and and trying to trying to get those those one percents in the pro groups and athletic performance, and trying to give the young athletes a, a platform in which they can explore movement and as well as get stronger and and try to keep them on the field. So that's the biggest thing we're trying to do is just reduce injuries and and keep them in the gym and keep them on the field. So that's that's the basis of it. What is there a sport focus that you guys tend to attract more than others? Because some organizations do hockey, some do soccer. Um, or do you guys lean one way or is it everyone's welcome? Yeah, so most of our groups right now are, are soccer players. And that just came from kind of my my background and my my sport that I played growing up in Calgary here was soccer. And so a lot of my relationships that that I had through my my youth career here, I came back to Calgary and and was able to to kind of build the foundation of the business off those relationships. So it's mostly soccer, but within our our rehabs and our, our reconditioning programs, it's it's a mix. We've got gymnasts, hockey players, soccer players, um, swimmers. We've got all sorts of athletes within within that uh, kind of rehab model. And then we've also got a blend within our small group athlete development program. So there's there's a mix of athletes in there as well. Well, I guess the next question um, is: Do you worry every day when you go to work? Um, I know that with my son playing hockey and their hockey cohorts, the fragility of the team is really important. I know there's been often a lot of conversations about that, right? Um, that not only if they get, and we often talk about COVID, but in today's world, it's not just COVID, you know, going to school with their school buddies, then they've got their team and their team buddies, and then they play another team. It's not about anymore just COVID. It's about getting the sniffles or getting a cold. I mean, it is the fall. And we often see so many people, you know, just start to get the fall cold. It's no big deal. But in today's world, it really shuts you down. So how do you do that in your world, whether, you know, whether it's, um, you know, small group work or 
or big group, it must be must be a pain in the ass, frankly. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I uh, honestly, Shane, I wake up every morning. I think, you know, tomorrow am I going to wake up with a sore throat or a runny nose, and and it might just be the common cold. But at that point, you got to obviously the the systems are in place that we put in within the business to obviously protect the coaches and the athletes and trying to trying to flatten this curve that we're all we're all talking about. But it's uh, it's a difficult one because we we have to get creative within our gym space and kind of split it up into into a couple different groups and. The two groups can't mix, but the one group's a cohort. And then obviously our coaches, we're all masked because we're not part of that cohort. So it's a it's a very challenging thing. But luckily, uh, we put a bunch of different systems in place. So we've got our health declarations and we've got everything else to try to protect us to ensure that, you know, if the athlete does have a runny nose and they're not coming to that session that day. Yeah. And obviously they're not going to school and trying to navigate that. But it's it's been a nightmare in that sense. Yeah, because I get, kind of get the feeling like once it once it gets there, that's going to be the day, right? It's almost like the, the ticking time bomb, um, innocently that that that's going to happen in some places. But so far, I mean, all the all the work seems to be well, working. I mean, all the hard yeah, work we, for everybody. Yeah, we haven't had any cases yet. Uh, we haven't had any close calls yet. So, I mean, knock on wood, we're we've got about four hundred and fifty athletes that that come through. So. It's almost like a mini school in that sense. And, and, uh, we haven't had any yet. So knock on wood, but when we do, obviously we're prepared for it and we've got our, our contingency plans in place and our systems in place and that, that should protect us all. So, yeah. Well, what about doing business during COVID? I mean, for me, for example, I have one business that's absolutely decimated, um, in the number of, uh, clients that we've lost, you guys were on hold pattern for a long time, um, you know, are, are we doing a good job as business owners right now or, or should we, should we set, settle down more or should we push back and, and make sure that we're open more? I mean, the conversation tends to go both ways when it comes to business owners. Um, are we doing a good job? You know, I think uh, it's hard to say because on the business front, when you, when you look at it, there's so many of these fitness businesses in Calgary and that's obviously what, what I can speak more thoroughly on, but there's a lot of businesses that were in a lease in a building and, and the landlords maybe weren't as forgiving. And, you know, you've seen on Instagram businesses put their life savings into it. And then all of a sudden there's no relief from the landlord and, and those doors close and that life savings gone and their gym's done. So you're seeing that spectrum. And, you know, we're, we're kind of lucky in a sense that when COVID happened, we, we put some things on zoom, but we uh, we're lucky to be at the Duckett performance center and edge school here in Springbank. And, and so our model was kind of a pay per use for rent. And so when when COVID happened and everything got shut down, our overhead essentially was was zero. So we were able to actually just go into a cave and and become dormant and be that grizzly bear. And and we fed prior to, and we just kind of hung out in our cave and waited. And then when we were given the go ahead to go outside, we uh, we kind of re reshifted our our pattern to training outside, and then obviously shifted back to to being back in the gym now and, and a little bit more normal, but I think it's, you know, the, the premier and, and our, our government is such a difficult, difficult thing to navigate with, with deciding if we should keep things open or, or make more restrictions and based around the hospital things. But I think I personally think maybe we pulled that plug a little too early uh, in, in phase one and we shut things down maybe a little too early. Um, you know, I, I sometimes think if we kept it open for a little bit longer, would businesses have been able to to navigate their landlords better? Would they have been able to, you know, put some more more plans in place? And 
you know, the second time it seems like they're, they're full steam ahead to try to keep things open. And, and I, I sure hope they do. Cause as a, as a business owner, it's a scary thought, but um, you know, I, I think, I think we're, uh, we're in a good place and hopefully they're not uh, going to slap a bunch more restrictions. If, if we, we don't follow kind of the protocols that, that Dr. Heenshaw's laid out and, and try to go with it that way. Do you think the models will change now? Um, I can't even imagine being in the business of commercial real estate right now. Holy cow. Um, but do you think the models will start to change? You talk about a pay-per-use model. I mean, potentially your landlord could make more money in the long run that way, right? Um, and maybe on the slow days, they don't. So do we need to be smarter as business people and, and rethink how we do a lot of these things? You know, I, I think you're seeing a lot of this pay-per-use model come into play. And it's a smart business move from a, an owner's perspective because they can kind of have a blended model under one roof and, and different practitioners can come in and create a bit of a learning environment. And that's what Ross McCain's done up at the edge schools. He's given us a home and, you know, we've learned from him and, and other organizations that have come through, we've connected and, and learned and it's been a great experience and you got evolve uh, Jim in the, the Northeast there and they're doing the same kind of pay per use model with practitioners. And I think that's a model that, is going to push forward for these small businesses. But when you get to a point where, you know, you're busy enough and you got lots of athletes, then it comes, uh, it comes to kind of a, a T intersection where you got to make a decision on if you're going to stay in that building and, and just kind of do the safe route, or are you going to take the leap of faith and take a risk and get a building and get your systems in place and, and your staff and your team and, and create this kind of all encompassing service, which, which is what we're trying to do. But uh, I think, I think the model will change a little bit, but, for the the real estate, I just hope it turns around soon and and buildings can get filled and and we can find a new normal because that's the most important thing is just finding that new normal for all of us. Uh, Taylor Irvinden is with um, Orca Performance just outside Calgary, so it's a small business. It's a big space. Uh, it's athletes and um, Taylor. You had said about you know the rehab portion of that. What does the um, what does that look like in the world of in the world of uh, young athletes? Because I know that when I played, I mean we didn't we didn't have a lot of rehab. Um, I mean, we had access to it for sure, but we didn't quite take it seriously. The result of that as I got older is I, I needed to get my uh, labrum reattached to my shoulder. I've got to get the other one done. Um, you know, lots of trouble down the road. Today, you know, concussions alone, the protocols around concussions are, are so much different than they used to be. So how important is that when we see our children, especially if they're playing any sport or just in general, to take care of it yeah, now? It's- it's so important. And that's arguably one of our, our more popular services now that, that we've kind of gone with is this athlete reconditioning program. And, and so when you look at, when you look at rehab, I think the biggest gap that we have is that we have a bunch of different practitioners like under this umbrella and we're not communicating and it's a siloed approach. And, and so what we really wanted to do is kind of break down that barrier and try to create, you know, this professional integrated support team, we call it, which is what you see in pro sports, where you have your sports med doc and your physios and your strength coaches and your ATs and everyone's on one team. So we really wanted to break down that barrier of what was happening in the private sector. And so we've got uh, a brilliant, brilliant physiotherapist by the name of Travis Godet, and, and he's come into to the edge as well and started to see our athletes. And it's been amazing because we've been able to, to collaborate. And that's two small businesses that are, are working together to try to obviously make the rehab process uh, smoother for these athletes. And then we've also invested heavily in some technology to, to get some objective data on what we want to see with our athletes. And, you know, a, a good chunk of our athletes right now are, are rehabbing ACL injury and that's that athlete out for a year. So 
we need to map what that looks like and, and guide our, our rehab processes from objective data. And, and they say, if you're, if you're not measuring, you're guessing. So that's our biggest motto is we need to measure. And then we need to appropriately program and, and make sure that they're actually ready for the demands of the sport, as opposed to just following this, this chronological timeline and saying it's been a year. So I think you'll be good to go. Mm. That just doesn't work anymore. So that's been our model. And we're really pushing to, to try to create this integrated support team and create a better service so that you know, these youth, youth athletes can, can back, get back quicker, but also safer. I would ask you what your favorite sport is, um, but I know that answer. So <laughs> it's not going to be hockey or football. Um, but that being said, what gets you excited, Taylor, when a young athlete comes in, when you see that, that real gem, that special kid that has what it takes, what is that? What is that sparkle? What do you see? I mean, once these kids are 15, 16, they're usually pushing the serious ones for at least a career somewhere in the sport, whether that is playing or coaching or something. So what, what's the magic when you see it? What do you get most excited about? I, I get so excited when an athlete comes in and, and they might be young, but they, they, you know, have this innate sense that they know which boxes need to be checked. And they, uh, you know, we've just an example, we've got a 12 year old right now, uh, in our reconditioning program. And, and he, he just turned 12. He's a hockey player and he tore his ACL playing uh, ball hockey. And this kid is 12 years old, but he'll show up to the gym twice a week. He knows his warm up. He starts his warm up. He knows his program. He's due diligent with it. And most importantly, he's excited. So when, when we get an athlete that, that comes in and, and they're excited to be here and they love it and they laugh and we can joke around and have, have the time of our life in that gym, then that's what makes me the most excited because that's what, that's what builds a relationship with those kids and those youth, youth athletes. And, and so that's my favorite part is just being able to, to build that relationship and then seeing the excitement in them when, when they reach a milestone or a goal, but then also seeing how due diligent they are checking those boxes and that can be their sleep, their nutrition, their recovery, all those different things. So that's, uh, that's definitely what, what uh, makes me the most excited. How do you teach the kids in today's world? I realize you're not necessarily a direct coach, but you got to inspire them into a lifestyle. So how do you teach them that it's okay to spend a little time on Fortnite, but just not all the time on Fortnite and to go still go crush your goals, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the best part. You're going to laugh at me at this, but I actually, uh, about a year ago, I, I bought an Xbox and I, I didn't play video games growing up. Um, but working with youth athletes, I wanted to know I wanted to know a little bit about their world. So I actually went out and bought an Xbox. I went to Walmart. Hmm. I picked it up. I came home. I plugged it in. And the first game I downloaded was Fortnite. And so uh, here I am. I was, I was 28 years old at the time. And, and uh, I downloaded Fortnite. And I'm sitting there playing this video game. I got no idea what's going on. But uh, I played for about an hour, an hour and a half. And I went to the gym the next day. And I, I used one of the, the lingo terminologies that they were using in the game about building a wall. Yeah. And I saw their, I saw their, their eyes light up. Wow. And so... That is, that is one thing where if you can get to their level and understand, you know, what drives them individually and what, what pushes them to, you know, not just want to be a good athlete, but also what makes them a kid. And so, you know, that was the same thing during quarantine when there wasn't much to do. I was, uh, I was playing a little bit of Call of Duty, not because I love the video game, but because that was a common ground that we could chat with our athletes about because that's what they're playing now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just trying to get on their level and, and understand it. And, and I think you're, you're so right is that they need to be reminded that they are still kids and that they're not a professional athlete. They have to have balance. And, uh, that's part of us trying to encourage it is to, 
be able to relate and chat about that so they feel like, you know what, that is okay to do as a kid. Well, I wish you the best um, and would like you to come back on the show from time to time, Taylor, and just chat. Um, I think it's great. And there are so many great uh, organizations and, and trainers and, and all of those uh, people from athletic therapists to even the sports doctors. Man, it's a special breed. Um, you know, we've had that experience with my son. And, and when you get in front of someone who really cares um, in this country, it's it's remarkable. And this is just one example of that. So I acknowledge you for that. Um, and, uh, and the amount of respect I think that you garner in our community from that. And, um, and it's pretty awesome. Great work, man. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate it. And obviously there's, uh, there's a lot of people that are struggling right now from a business perspective. So if there's one thing that I can, can end on is that, uh, my phone's always on and, and my email's always open and, and my Instagram. And if anybody out there, coach, business owner is, is struggling and just needs an ear, then I'm more than happy to take a call. I'm more than happy to go for a coffee and, and I think that's uh, what this community needs is is a bit more togetherness and a bit more, uh, you know, putting aside the the drive to be the best business and and try to try to push to support each other. So if that's one thing that I can say on the end is that we got to stick together because it, it will end, but we just got to hope that we're all still in it when it does. Well said. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Shane. Appreciate it. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. So sometimes we have to get ourselves involved with, uh, you know, the, the ones we missed. The other little nuggets, you know, not the people who got the home runs, but the people who got singles and doubles in their news stories today. And uh, here's the champion of the World Series, with in case you missed it, uh, coming up next is Jason Manawas. But first, a live performance from Matt MacArthur. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Sunshine Manawas. All right, Sunshine. Yes. So one of the be- absolute best things on the internet is when Kevin Hart, comedian, and The Rock tried to troll and tease each other over social media. On The Rock's end, making fun of Kevin Hart's height is an easy target, as several times he's posted Kevin Hart as a baby. He's told Kevin Hart to stand up in pictures, and even poked fun at the comedian's high voice. On Kevin Hart's end, The Rock's mannerisms, catchphrases, and gym videos have been a constant target of the comedian, and the war continues. Earlier this week, The Rock injured himself while working out in the gym by smashing a weight on his forehead accidentally and even causing some blood. The Rock used this to post a motivational Instagram video, and this is the clip. All right, look, sometimes, well, oftentimes, things get intense here in the Iron Paradise, but we ain't playing tiddlywinks and we ain't reciting nursery rhymes. All right, you get lumped up every once in a while and things happen. That's good. That's real good. Back to work. <laughs> so he he, act, he actually took so he took his finger, uh, swabbed the uh, swabbed the blood off his forehead and put it in his mouth, and that's why he said, "Oh, it's actually pretty good." That's why he did that. You know, I don't know why, um, but I guess he just wanted to show um, that it, it was no big deal. But Kevin Hart immediately took notice of this video and decided to post his rendition of The Rock's injury. Here's the clip. What up, world? I just got done doing session number two in the gym. Sometimes when you clanging and banging, shit happens. (laughs) Weight get to getting thrown. And sometimes you wake up with a little knot. Hey, Dwayne, you ain't the only one getting hit in the head. With 45 pound dumbbells and 45 pound plates. Cause I am too. <laughs> 
hard work. Granted, I'm a little dizzy. <laughs> Might have a concussion. <laughs> but that ain't got a motherfucking thing to do with my motive. Is that the end of the clip? I'm gonna be honest, I ain't feeling oh, there it is. too good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is it? It's crazy. For, I mean, if you're the rock, I mean, you're the rock, I guess you're confident and you're powerful, right? Like you, you cut like this, this massive bubble of positive energy, right? But is Kevin Hart really the guy you want to try to get into a battle of the wits on, with online? No. Yeah. Kevin Hart's on another level. Like his, he, he can make fun of anyone, anyone. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it seems what I get from that is that they're total, total bros, total yeah. friends. Oh yeah. They're like besties. Yeah. The hell, healthy like, burns. They, right? And yeah. And, and, and they, and they both can take a joke really well. Like they don't really care if one, one of them uh, make fun of each other. They never like, they don't have a, they don't have a boundary either. They just go at each other. Um, and you know, if you have time, just go on YouTube and search up the best trolling between The Rock and Kevin Hart. It is absolutely hilarious. Um, but in case you missed it, three, all hail King Kendrick because is the best rapper of his generation. King Kendrick Lamar back? Well, sort of, because he just dropped the verse so hot I had to take off my hoodie in my room. Oh, Buster man. Rhymes had shared "Look Over Your Shoulder." Featuring Kendrick Lamar, the track samples the Jackson 5's I'll Be There and will be included on Busta's upcoming album Extinction Level Event 2, The Wrath of God, which is set to drop on Friday, October 30. Here is Kendrick's verse. I wrote my first bars in the car with Stacy. How bizarre my battle scars at large will lace me. Big marbles. I lead this new generation, boy, don't argue with us. Marvelous beat selectors, authors, and novel spitters. And it's all for the literature, and it's all for the hideous, the nastiest flow, the chlamydia. Uh. I ain't afraid to say I need you. Oh, yeah. I my life is like to have open mics of hopeless notes. I write for show my folks you like soon as the flow get nice to boat to guys that scare and seize my prototype forever. Read my share of D's and RIPs. You know my type of style is like my everything. Apparently, my appetites they famish, bite no hand that feed the culture. Vote your guy, you bleed. Focus, hold his thoughts and dreams. Control his pen. Look over your shoulder. Hold his lines and rhymes and things. Devote my time and mind. It seems I'm supposed to shine. Remind the king, provoke the blind and bomb the feed. The pros, the cons, the diamond rings. I'm vote with time, but I'ma bring the soul divine and cross. Between what's yours and mine's the gold, the green, the roof, the show, just what it means to grab your court and ride the wind and fly before my vocal. For hip hop, look at my ziplock, bag full of goodies, you Chris Rock. Hit the pookie and piss stops, it's poop socks, baby, you're a hell of a drug. Just look over your shoulders when they f you over as love, I know you. Whoa. Does he breathe? Right? I don't even know, but he just keeps going, man. You know what I like about Kendrick Lamar? He sounds a lot like Q-Tip. Uh yes, in his totally. um in, in his style, although Q-Tip is way more poetic, uh I would say in the depth of his lyrics. Um but it's funny because there was a little Twitter thing going on um and one of my buds that I worked with uh his name's uh Paul Parhard Mastermind, DJ Mastermind out of Toronto. And we did some work together and he's, he's so big into hip hop. So he's kind of my go-to hip hop guy. And I said, he was in a, a Twitter exchange with somebody about who was the, who was the most hyped hip hop artist that you didn't ever really get. That was the, 
So who do you think was sort of overblown? And his answer was Kendrick Lamar, which I find ironic. Yeah. Now this is before, this was just yesterday. So before this has really been released, but um, yeah, that was his opinion. So as a hip hop guy, it's interesting how the perspective can be so incredibly different. And then you get a, a, a verse like that, that is incredibly smooth. Um, I'd like to hear him do it live. Yeah. And hear how that sounds. I mean, cause the production, you know, obviously they can, he could take six, seven tries at it. Um, but I mean, if he sounds like Q-tip, I like Q-tip. Try baby. Yeah. Sweet verse. Yeah. yeah with, with, with Kendrick too, I, I think, um, they, they've been anticipating a new album and I think, um, this is just rumors, but apparently his new album that's uh, set to come out, uh, soon is gonna, uh, is gonna have a rock, um, type tone to his, uh, um, his album, like he's uh, he's the type of rapper that likes to change his sound every album. He's he's done jazz before. He's done like old school style, and now I think he's gonna start incorporating some rock, which is uh, really interesting. So uh, look forward to that. Um, we got one more in case you missed here, uh, Matt. Do we have time for this one? Yeah, let's roll it. Awesome. Okay, I've been waiting to do this one for so long because this one blows my mind. So the the threat of asteroids striking the Earth and causing a global catastrophe has inspired some groups to build bunkers to not only protect survivors, but also to ensure the safety of certain plants and animals. Now the makers of Oreo have ensured that the popular snack will live past any possible asteroid strikes. Yes. In a video published on its YouTube page, Oreo says it was inspired by the global seed vault in Svalbard, Norway. According to the seed vault's website, it is a storage facility of various seeds that has been designed and built to withstand both natural and man-made disasters. Here is the clip. Actually, uh, our spot should be, I think it, yeah, I think we can see it from here, I suppose. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. I think that's better because it's higher. And if the asteroid hits lower and the water, you know, it, yeah, it, that will be safer for sure. Yes, this asteroid is real. Uh, asteroid 2018 VP1 will pass Earth on November 3rd. The uncertainty of its orbit is kind of what triggers us because we're not entirely sure it will follow its nominal orbit. Sometimes I'll check Twitter just to see what people are saying about Oreos. On October 3rd, I came across a tweet unlike any I had ever seen before. It said, asteroid coming for Earth, who will save the Oreos? I've been in the cookie business for 22 years. I've never had a challenge like this. Then we heard about this thing in Svalbard, Norway. It's called the Global Seed Vault. They store all of the seeds for humanity in case of a huge disaster. I received a call with a strange request from Oreo uh, to build a, a vault that works just like the Global Seed Vault. But instead of having two years to construct it, I had to be finished within 30 days. These uh, Global Vault opportunities uh, don't come around too often, so. So I accepted. So Marcus, let's let's go back to the timeline. Have you picked a site yet to build the vault? Yes, kind of. We, uh, I think the third one that that we just found is is um, uh, that that's perfect. So yeah, probably yes. The most important thing about finding a good site is. Um, hey, Polar bear. That's the first. I'm thinking more about the, the door. 
because you know when you open a door you you would I would prefer open it with, with my right arm instead of the left arm <laughs> yeah so <laughs> a global Oreo vault <laughs> the best part of the story is the polar bear <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love the polar bear. He's like, whoa, it does happen every day. <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, so good. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.